Happy Easter and welcome to Prodigal Church. Thanks so much for joining us today in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Here's some of our staff with some more announcements. If you're here for the first time, we want to invite you back next weekend and every weekend at 10 a.m. here at Bullard. Next week, we're excited we start a brand new sermon series called Big Reputation. Check out this clip. Big Reputation, Big Reputation. Ooh, you and me, we got big reputations. Ah, and you heard about me. Ooh. I got a reputation. <laughs> Christians are the worst. The condemnation of culture, a lack of care for the poor. Judgmental, bigoted, homophobic, elitist, and hypocrite. That's what the world thinks of Christians. We want to let you know that we have an amazing kids ministry called PC Kids and all of our elementary school students are having a blast in the gym. And our nursery and toddler ministries is right next door. If you have any questions about it, ask any of our staff in the foyer. If you're here for the first time, we'd love to hear from you and see how we as a church can be a greater blessing to you and your family. Please fill out our online connect card on our website or our app. Speaking of our app, it's free at your app store. Just search Prodigal Church Fresno. The Prodigal Church app is the best way for you to stay connected to all things Prodigal. Small groups start next week and it's not too late to sign up. You can sign up on our app or our website. You're gonna hear more about small groups later in the service. We wanna thank you for your continued generosity and giving to Prodigal Church. Your giving makes a huge impact here and throughout our world. If you'd like to give today to Prodigal, you can use the giving boxes on your way out or the kiosks in the foyer. You can also give online at prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thank you so much for joining us on Easter Sunday at Prodigal Church. Let's stand and worship the risen King together. See the tomb where he laid. See the stone rolled away. He is risen, he is risen, he's alive. See his hands, see his feet, touch his scars and believe. He is risen, he is risen, he's alive. Take this love, can you feel it rising up? He is here, he is here, he's alive. He lives, all honor and power are his. Oh, glory forever, amen. Jesus. Jesus lives 
glad that you have joined us in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus here at Prodigal Church. Uh, there was a young man who showed up for church on Easter, and as he was leaving, he shook hands with the pastor at the door, and the pastor said, son, you need to join the army of the Lord. And the man said, Reverend, I'm already in the army of the Lord. And the pastor said, why then do you only show up to church on Christmas and Easter? And the young man whispered in his ear, because I'm in the secret service. Now, I know that there are many people watching today or here in person that are some Secret Service agents, and we just want to tell you that all good, okay? We're glad you're here, okay? Feel free to come back or not. No matter what, you are loved. Uh, but we do believe that God is doing something in this place and that you being here will help you grow in loving God and loving people. That's what we're all about. And Jesus teaches in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love people. That is what following Jesus should be all about. If your experience of the Christian faith wasn't about love, you weren't really experiencing the Christian faith. Today, on Easter 2023, I want to look at two great mysteries. The first is a historical mystery. Uh, how and why the Christian faith has survived since the first century. 
Okay? And then the second is a personal mystery. How does God feel about you? And these are the two questions that we're going to explore together. Are you ready? All right, how did the teaching of Jesus survive the first century? How did the church survive the first century? Why is there a church? Okay? Historians literally have a difficult time explaining the answers to these questions. A faith that says, love your enemies. A faith that says, others are more important than yourself. A faith that says, forgive rather than hold a grudge. A faith that says, give away rather than to acquire more for yourself. How does that kind of teaching, which is so antithetical to the ancient world, survive? And not only survive, but thrive thousands of years after the death of its founder. One word, resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus solves one of history's great mysteries. So let's explore the resurrection together. Jesus was crucified on a Friday. The disciples who had followed him for the past three and a half years are crushed. They witness his death. They are in despair. They're in dismay. They're in disarray. They're in distress. Nothing but death on that first Good Friday. And then on Saturday, the very next day, there's nothing but silence. And then Sunday came. The tomb was empty. And the disciples are mostly overjoyed at the resurrection, okay? Now, that's a strange phrase right there, right? Mostly overjoyed. Their teacher and their Lord was crucified. And he wasn't just two minutes dead. He was three days dead. And the disciples were in despair, dismay, disarray, distress. And then he was resurrected in glory. And the disciples are mostly overjoyed. Yes. Because just before the Great Commission... Just before Jesus says to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, Matthew writes this in chapter 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What? They doubted? Why in the world would Matthew include this? If the point of your book is that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the true King, the long-awaited Savior of the world, the one that everybody has been waiting for, why would you, when you reach the crescendo, include this little line about his followers doubting? Doesn't it kind of ruin the moment? Doesn't this kind of undermine everything that you've been saying in your story? When Matthew tells us that some of the disciples doubted, does this undermine? Or is this the exact kind of honesty that reflects how people actually are? It says they worshiped, but some doubted. The they and the some are the same people. The doubters were among the worshipers, and the worshipers were among the doubters. They were one and the same. Did you know that you can worship Jesus and doubt Jesus at the same time. If you are a doubter, welcome to the club, okay? Doubt is a part of the Christian life. Everybody has faith. Even a staunch atheist has faith. We all live by faith when a doctor gives you a prescription that you can't read, okay? Then you take it to a pharmacy where somebody you don't know and you can't even see fills the prescription and then when you pick it up, they always ask, do you have any questions? And we all say, no. 
Then later, you open the bottle, you pull out the pill, you have no idea what's in it, you put it in your mouth, you grab a splash of water, and then you swallow it. By the way, I'm comfortable saying that I need a little bit of water to swallow a pill. Okay, not a lot, just a little bit. And if you're one of those people that can swallow a pill cold turkey, okay, you're a psycho. We take these medicines that we don't know how to pronounce, that we've never seen, we just trust, we have faith that it will work. We all live by faith. And the disciples here witness Jesus resurrected, but some doubted. One of those doubters is Thomas. And just a few chapters before the resurrection, Jesus and the disciples were getting ready to head to Bethany, which is right next door to Jerusalem. And Thomas is like, yes, it's go time. Uh, let's go to the city and I'll die for you, Jesus. Let's all die for Jesus. And then Jesus dies and the disciples all leave. They run. And when he rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday, Thomas was like, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. In one chapter, Thomas is like, I believe. In the next chapter, he's like, I don't believe. Who does that? I do that. I am Thomas. I believe one moment and I doubt the next. You can worship Jesus and still have doubts. You can follow Jesus and still have doubts. If you grew up in the 1990s, you were a fan of Garth Brooks, okay? And if you say that you weren't, liar, liar, pants on fire, okay? He was amazing. It was, he was this new thing of country and rock and performance and emo, okay? I think he was the beginning of emo, and if you don't believe me, look at the Chris Gaines album, okay? A few years back, I wanted to download all of Garth Brooks' music on iTunes, but it wasn't there. Back then, Amazon, Spotify, they didn't have it either. You actually had to purchase a CD, okay? You couldn't just download it to your phone. You had to purchase a CD. Some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, okay? I remember venting about this to my parents. And my mom took note, okay? Moms are the best. And that Christmas, my mom gave me a present. It was wrapped in nice paper. She had bought me the Garth Brooks Greatest Hits double CD, okay? Some of you wouldn't even know what to do with a CD if you had one. It's, it's not a relic, it's magic, okay? It is meant to be played, to be listened to, to be contemplated, to resonate, to be sung. Now, I can believe that the label says that there's music in it. I can unwrap it, I can say thank you to my mom, or I can play it and move to the music. The resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that moves me still. It's something that happens every day. God is still in the business of bringing life to dead things, of bringing light to darkness, of overcoming the things that overtake us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, moves us, and it moved Thomas. John chapter 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is breaking the fourth wall, okay? The fourth wall is an imaginary wall that separates story from the real world. It's used in film and it's used in books and narratives. The fourth wall is the idea that there is this invisible imaginary wall separating the actors or the characters from the audience. And usually it's temporary. This is a literary and cinematic technique. You see it in movies often, but one of the most famous examples of breaking the fourth wall is in the TV show, The Office, okay? And the best person at this, and it's not even particularly close, is Jim Halpert, played by John Krasinski, okay? Jim Halpert is the voice of reason, okay? Michael and Dwight are doing something outrageous and Jim just looks at the camera. As if to say, we're aware that you're watching and, and we're watching you watch us. This is what is happening in John's gospel. John is telling us all these stories about Jesus. And then he looks deep into the camera and says, I see you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still have believed. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Blessed are you. You, you, watching this, listening to this, running right now, riding a bike. I'm riding this so that you may have life in Jesus. Breaking the fourth wall. So here we come to the answer to both mysteries that we have put forth. How did the teaching of Jesus survive the first century? How did the church survive the first century? Why is there a church? Well, the resurrection of Jesus resolves the mystery of the spread of this faith that is so upside down. A faith that says, love your enemies. A faith that says, others are more important than yourself. A faith that says, forgiveness is better than revenge. A faith that says, it is better to give than to receive. The resurrection of Jesus resolves the historical mystery of the Christian faith. Doubters like Thomas, doubters like me, and doubters like you. We begin to love God and love others in a radical way that could even change the world. The resurrection of Jesus also resolves the personal mystery. It resolves the mystery of how you know where you stand with God. How does God view you? How does God view your failure? How does God see you? How does God feel about you? The empty tomb resolves those questions as well. He loves you. He conquered sin and grave for you. He adores you. He left heaven for you. 
He goes after you. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible is Luke chapter 15. It is in this uh, where we find the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. Prodigal son. Now let's read about the sheep. Chapter 15 of Luke, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in order? Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I love this story. And I love just, I love the context of the story. Okay? I love the reason why Jesus told the story. And verse 1 tells us, right? The tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. Uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the, the, all the religious uh, people were saying, this man eats with sinners? He welcomes them? Ooh, scandalous. Okay? Jesus loves sinners. This story, it worked better in the ancient world than it does for us. Why? Well, because shepherding was common. It was a common practice. Uh, if we had 99 sheep, we wouldn't even know what to do with them, okay? So instead of sheep, uh, for us uh, in 21st century United States, or wherever you're listening is from, I want you to think rather not in terms of sheep, but think of terms of credit cards and children, okay? When you lose something of value, here's what you don't do. Okay? You don't console yourself with what is unlost. You don't say, well, my MasterCard and my five-year-old are gone, but at least I still have my MX and my nine-year-old. No. No, when you lose something of value, you are so focused on it. You're not focused on what is not lost. You're focused on what is lost. Jesus, are you telling us that God views unrighteous people as something valuable that got separated from its owner, from its first love. And Jesus is like, exactly. Well, that's not really how we view unrighteous people. And Jesus is like, that's why I showed up. And that's why you're wrong. If your faith in God leads you to be more hateful and more judgmental towards unrighteous people, you're doing it wrong. Do you view unrighteous people as immensely valuable to God that he would do anything for? To he'd do anything to get him back in his arms? Or do you get disgusted with lost things? Do you get angry with lost things? No, no. You go looking for lost things. You long to reconnect with lost things. And according to Jesus, God is not disgusted with lost things. In the resurrection, the Son of God proves it. Jesus did not die on the cross and rise from the grave because he was mad at you. 
He did so because he was madly in love with you. You, you, listening to this, driving in your car, sitting on your couch, sitting at your desk, listening on your phone, he broke the fourth wall. The resurrection isn't just a story, it's the story. It's our story, it's personal. And it's personal to me. Here at Prodigal, we meet at a local high school. And so we have to have an amazing team of staff and volunteers to make it happen, and we do, okay? To pull this off each weekend, we get here very early on Sunday mornings, okay? Uh, occasionally, I get here before the rest of the team. And that was the case just a few months back. This particular Sunday morning was cold, and the sun was not out yet. And I was going through some stuff, okay? I'm kind of, I was in my head. Like, I keep, I keep thinking about something, uh, something that was, that was unfair, that was wrong, and I start, like, feeling sorry for myself. And it's hard for me to get out of it, okay? I, I was in my head. Have you ever felt like that? And so I'm rolling the carts off the church trailer, kind of before 5 a.m., and occasionally, the toys that we have in our nursery and the toddler's room, uh, they turn on because the toys shift as I'm moving them off the trailer. And so the cart kind of bumps and a children's toy turns on. And normally, like it's nothing, okay? The toy turns on and a bell dings or a children's song plays for a second and it's no big deal. But on that particular morning, the batteries of the toy that turned on were, going, were running low. Have you ever heard a children's song played in slow motion with a deep voice because the batteries were dying? It's terrifying. Okay, listen. I was scared, okay? It was as if Satan himself was singing through the toy. And so now I'm terrified. No one's around, it's dark, I'm in my head, and now the devil is singing to me through a toy rabbit. I'm in my head. I'm mad, I'm going through stuff. And I muscle enough strength to kind of finish unloading, and I had about 15 minutes before anyone else would arrive in the parking lot. So I lay down on this concrete flower bed, right next to the parking lot, and I look up at the stars, and I just start talking to God, okay? Some Christians call it praying, but in that moment, I did not feel like I was praying. I was just saying out loud all of the things that were running through my head, all of my frustrations. I wasn't expecting a supernatural encounter or anything like that. I was just venting, staring at the night sky. And a memory came to mind, a childhood memory, a childhood movie. Do you remember the theme song of American Tale? Yeah, yeah, Fievel, okay? Fievel is lost in America where he thought that there would be no cats, and he was all alone. And he was looking up at the night sky, and he begins to sing somewhere out there, okay? The first line of the song came back to me like a Mack truck. Somewhere out there, beneath the pale moonlight, someone's thinking of me and loving me tonight. Now, I don't know why. Okay? I have no words to explain this, but it hit me that morning. I hadn't thought about that movie in 30 years, but then and there on that concrete flower bed, 
On that Sunday morning, I started to tear up. I felt that God loved me. I felt that God was for me. I felt that God was on my side and that God would help me overcome. Then I grabbed my phone and I played the song. And iTunes had it, okay? And I didn't play the Linda Ronstadt version. No, not from the radio, no, no, no. I played the Philly Mouskowitz version, okay? And I cried the whole time. When the staff showed up, they're like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. We gotta change the batteries on those, those kids' toys, okay? The resurrection shows us that God loves us, that God is for us, that God is on our side, and that God will help us overcome, and he will help you overcome, and he loves you, and he is for you, and he's on your side. The resurrection is cosmic. It solves the mystery of the survival of the Christian faith, and the resurrection is personal. It solves the mystery of how God feels about me and how God feels about you. He loves you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that the resurrection would resonate differently today. God, that we would get a sense of the personal nature of it and that it would change our lives. God, thank you for the new life we have in you. Thank you, God, that these words were written so that you may have life in Christ. God, let us have the abundant life that you promised, that you showed us, that you overcame sin and death. God, I pray that you would help us to overcome as well. In the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of all the mysteries, may we follow you still. May we worship you still, even in the midst of questions. We need you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us on Resurrection Sunday here at Prodigal Church Fresno. If you are in the Fresno Clovis area, and this is before 9.30 a.m. on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 2023, come on over to Bullard High School. We've got some fun things planned with a giant Easter egg hunt in between. It's a great chance for us to be together and proclaim that the tomb is empty. Next week, we'll be back at 10 a.m. at Bullard High School, and you can also watch our services online at prodigalchurchfresno.com every week. We hope you have an amazing week. He is risen.
Dreams come true.